0: Well, this morning, I want to bring you a message entitled Ark of Salvation, Ark of Salvation. And we're going to start our scripture in Genesis chapter six, verse nine through 14. If you have your Bibles and you wanna turn there, Genesis chapter six, verse nine through 14. It says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe, out all, uh, wipe them all out along with the earth. Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it and tar it inside out, then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. And then in verse 22, he says, Noah did everything exactly as God commanded him. Now, you've probably heard the story of the great flood not the great flood of two thousand nineteen in Arkansas. Okay, I'm talking about the great flood. Uh, the great flood. There is there's lots of evidence to show that there was a catastrophic flood on the whole earth. They have done lots of digging and lots of lots of uh, digging to find find out things, and uh, it is it is something that is easily easily believed because of the technology that we have today, and the great flood. Trying to do three things at once here this morning. The great flood did occur. Now, what is, the, what is the importance of the great flood? What is the importance of what happened to Noah? Well, first off, he says that Noah and his family were the only people that God entrusted to build this ark. Noah and his family. Why? Because, they, because he was righteous. He was righteous. Today, I look around in this world and I don't see a whole lot of righteousness going on. I see a lot of people out there that may go to church or may say that they're Christians or they may say that they know who, who God is, but there's not a lot of righteousness. This morning in our discipleship group, it was on who Jesus the Messiah. And I was talking to someone, another another uh, group leader yesterday, and and the question was, how many people even know what the word Messiah means or who the Messiah is? How many people, if you said, is Jesus Messiah, they may say yes because they heard a a song about it or maybe they went to church one time and saw a, a play about it. But how many people really know and believe and understand who Jesus is as the Messiah? And I think that we would find out that many, many people, if we went on the street, you know, with people who call themselves Christians, they probably wouldn't understand who the Messiah was. They probably wouldn't understand it if we said, the Messiah, they probably wouldn't put Jesus even in the term because they'd be like, the Messiah, what is that? Why? Because we, I believe we're getting to a point in the world that we're starting to find less and less people who are righteous. Now, we know that our righteousness, the Bible says, is like filthy rags. We cannot be righteous enough. We know that there's only one way to be righteous, and that's through the blood of Jesus. That's the only way we can be made righteous. There was only one man who lived that was good. That was righteous, and that was Jesus. He was the only one. But God looked down, and he he was fellowshipping. He says that he walked in close fellowship with God. He was fellowshipping with Noah. Noah was fellowshipping with God. We can have this personal relationship with the Almighty. If you look back to Adam and Eve in the garden, they had a personal one-on-one relationship with God Almighty. My grandmother, my dad's mom, my grandmother Levin's, said to my mother one, one day, she said, it's you, and she's a Christian, but she didn't get this part of it. And she said to my mom, she says, you act like you have a friendship or a personal relationship. And she says, it is personal. I do have a personal relationship. And I'm not going to tell you how, you know, what kind of church she went to. I mean, she's a Christian. She believed in the Lord. She's going to heaven. But she didn't understand The concept of having a personal relationship. But even Noah back then, before Jesus, Noah had a personal relationship with God. One of the things that we don't understand in our day and age is before the great flood happened, uh, the people understood a lot more about spiritual things than we do today. The Bible says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we we wrestle against spiritual, uh, spiritual forces out there. And I'm not going to go through all that. It'd take a whole long teaching, and we may be doing that on a Wednesday night coming up, teaching about that stuff, because it, it is very deep. But the 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 per, people that lived on the earth originally, they knew God. They knew there was a God. They had a. You, you read through, and you see that they talked to God a lot. People talked to God a lot back then. It wasn't a big deal. They didn't, I mean, you know, even after the flood, when Abraham, when you had Abraham, even Abraham, he would uh uh he knew who god was people knew who god was god can speak to you he can have a you can have a personal relationship with him you do not have to go through life thinking that god is a distant being that's off there somewhere in the expanse of of space somewhere out there there's a god instead you can have that personal relationship with him you can fellowship with him now our fellowship with him is so great because we have jesus and when we have Jesus living inside of us, our fellowship with Him—I talked about this a few weeks ago. When the when when the resurrect, when the death of Jesus happened and He died, the the temple veil was torn in two. The veil that that separated uh, men from the holiness of God was torn in two, and now we have access on a daily basis with that holiness. God is holy; He is the only one who is holy, and we have access to Him now during this time, the Lord looked down and the earth had become corrupt. It had been become so corrupt. I mean, anything you could think of was going on. Anything that you could think of was going on in that time. We're getting to a point now where anything that you think of is okay to do. And I won't get into all of it because we, we start naming sins this morning. We'll be here all morning, right? But today, anything is, is okay. We have the, the, we have the people saying this over here is right, what is totally wrong, and we have people over here saying this is wrong, when it's totally right. We have got Christians and we've got uh, fellow believers out there who, in, in just the United States, are undergoing uh, persecution because they're taking a stand for the Word, and people are saying, "No, you can't do that. That's wrong. That's intolerant." Doesn't matter that they're intolerant of, of the Christian beliefs. That's okay to be intolerant of Christian beliefs, but you can't be intolerant of my beliefs. You, you, can't, you can't think a different way than me, and if you do, I'm going to shut you down. I'm going to close you off. I'm going I'm to shut down your free speech. We don't understand how great we have it. I have a, I have a couple of shirts, and it says, this shirt is, is illegal, And it says in 54 countries it's illegal. We don't understand the freedom that we have in the United States to live for Christ. In other countries like North Korea, you don't have that kind of freedom. China, you don't have that kind of freedom. Right now, there is such a crackdown on the church in China, and nobody hears about it, nobody's talking about it. But that's not stopping the church. The, you know, a church in Iran, you, you know, there there are there are places in the Middle East where your church can't be over eight people. You want to know why? Because they got to keep it so small and so private because if they were found out that their Muslim counterparts would uh, string them up, their Muslim counterparts would kill them. This is very interesting. I was listening to a missionary over to, I can't say the area, he said, we can't, you know, it was very, very uh, sensitive, but they're in a very holy area of, of where, where Muslims are, and you don't know that they go in, and they have their Bible studies in the mosque, and you're like, well, how do they do that? Well, there's an area that you come in before you go in the mosque, and they can gather around in groups of six to eight people, and they can have a Bible study, and they don't attract attention to themselves because people just think that they're probably just Muslims in there, and then when you get baptized, you know, and I and I really believe in immersion, baptism by immersion. But when they get baptized over there, there's nowhere to do that. So you know what they do? They go in the mosque and they go into the showers in the mosque and they they wet them down (laughs) in the shower. That's the way they baptize new believers into Christ in the mosque. They do it right under the nose of those who are persecuting them, those who would want to see them dead. So we don't understand that the freedoms that we have here in the United States. But the more freedom we have, it seems like the further, the further and further we get away from God. See, the Lord had given man freedom to make decisions. And in, in the first man and woman, they made some bad decisions. And they took themselves out of right relationship with the Father. And at this point, it had gotten so bad on the earth, the Lord's like, enough is enough, I can't take anymore. You got people that you work with, you just, you just enough. Maybe sometimes your kids, you're just like, enough, I can't take it anymore. Go to your room, you know. My kids are still young enough I can say that. <laughs> Some of y'all, I don't know if you can say go to your room, but you're like, enough. And the Lord, the Lord was that way. He says, I, I, I'm done. I've done everything I can do. I've tried to help. I've tried to do great things for these people. And it's so corrupt. Everyone on earth is corrupt. And so God told Noah, you know what? You're the only guy that will talk to me. You're the only guy that will fellowship with me. And so I'm going to let you know something. I'm going to destroy the earth, and what I want you to do is I want you to build an ark. Now, the ark was huge. It was massive. As a matter of fact, you can go see uh, a replica. We don't know if it's identical in in the way it looks on the outside, but what they feel is a replica. We have that in the United States now. There's another one, I think, over in Europe that actually floats that they pull around with a tugboat. Uh, You can see these things. It was huge. It was massive. And he says, I want you to build this ark. Now, one of the things I want want us to understand about this story is before Jesus ever was, what he was going to do was already being played out in the Old Testament. Many occasions, but specifically and especially on this occasion right here. Because the Lord says, I'm going to destroy all mankind but I'm, going to, I'm not going to destroy everybody. I'm going to destroy everybody on earth except for you, so I'm not destroying the human race because if he would have destroyed Noah and his family, that would have been it. The human race would have been over, and he would have had to start over or do something different. But he says, you know what? I'm, I'm going to save the human race, but I'm going, to, I'm, I'm going to destroy all mankind that lives on earth other than your family. You know, one day, this whole world will be destroyed. And there's going to be a judgment between the righteous and the unrighteous. And what did I say just a minute ago? The righteous are those who have Jesus, those who have given their life to Jesus and who live for him. The unrighteous are the others. And there's going to be a day that comes. But the way that we are going to survive that destruction is our ark, our ark of salvation, and that is Jesus. And this is a correlation the same way here with this ark. God gave them a way of escape, and he said, I want you to build this ark, and the Bible says he did as he was commanded. You know, when we come to Jesus, we can't just come to him and say, you know what, I'm going to say a prayer, and I'm going to ask Jesus into my heart. You know, that's not even in the Bible. I don't know if you knew that or not. There's nowhere in the Bible that says ask Jesus into your heart. It says that you're supposed to give your life to him, and I'm not specifically opposed to it. But it's amazing how many people, if you talk to them, they would say, oh, I asked Jesus in my heart when I was five. I asked Jesus in my heart when I was ten. What have you done for the Lord since? How have you lived for him since? Are you in fellowship with him? You see, Noah was in fellowship with, with God. You know, the, the disciples, the apostles were in fellowship with Jesus even after He left. You know, they were in fellowship with God. They talked to him. They wanted to do what God wanted to, wanted to do. You know, when you say that you have a friend and you never talked to him for 10 years, how are they your friend? No, they're somebody that you know. They're an acquaintance of yours. I've got a guy who was a good friend of mine for a long time. And, and it, I think we could probably pick it right back up, but our, we went separate ways. Are we friends right now? Well, in, in, in the term of friends, yeah, you could say we're friends, but we're not really friends. I don't know what's going on in his life. I'm not not stalking his Facebook page. You know, I don't know what's going on in his life. Instead, I'm more of an acquaintance with him. He's somebody that I know. But is he a close friend? No. And the Bible says that, that Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, right? That's who he is. But if we're not in relationship with him, how can we call him friend? How can we call him friend if we don't stay in close relationship and fellowship with him? And the the great thing is we have the opportunity to do that. But I see so many people, like I said, oh, I asked Jesus into my heart. I went to church. I went down the front and shook the, the preacher's hand or however the way this church did. I was sprinkled when I was a baby. Yeah, but what does it have to do with you? What do you know about Jesus? What do you know about God? What do you know about the Father? Do you have a relationship? See, I contend that the church, not the church, I contend that the people during Noah's time, they knew who God was, but they didn't have a relationship with him. They were very spiritual back then, but they had no relationship with God. They had their lowercase g, gods. They had their self. They had their desires that they served, but they didn't serve God Almighty. And they became corrupt. They did differently. You know, people think that you have to have the Ten Commandments to know what's right and what's wrong. But the, but the thing is, it has been written on your heart from when you were born. That's what is on your heart. You, you know that thing that when you go and you do something wrong and you know it's wrong? Like the story I said, the guy said, oh, I shouldn't curse because he cursed in front. Of, I shouldn't curse. Well, why Why don't you think you should curse? Guy didn't go to church. Yeah, he hung around me. I never told people not to curse. He knew I didn't curse. Why did he know that there's something different? There's something that I shouldn't be doing. Why? Because the Lord has already written it on us. When we have been born, He was the one who created us from the beginning. He created the DNA that is inside of all of us. He put the breath of life that is—we would not be breathing if it wasn't for Him. All right, He He is the one who took us. But the great thing—he's not a—he's not a puppet master. He didn't say, "I'm gonna I'm gonna make you a puppet and you're gonna do what I say." He said, "He says I want to create a a race of people." That will have the opportunity to make the decision whether or not they want to serve me, and I'm gonna give them everything that they need. I'm gonna give them everything that they need, and all I need them to do is serve me and not do things that are evil. But these people had chosen to do evil, and today we see people choosing to do evil. We have Christians choosing, or people who call themselves Christians, choosing to do evil in our day and age. They're not willing. And let me tell you why they're not willing because it gets a little bit difficult it gets a little bit rough. See, let's look at this. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, God had started the countdown of the flood, and it was 120 years from that point till the flood. 120 years. He, he said, he says, I'm, I'm going to do 120 years here, and then it, this flood's going to happen. Notice, though the Scripture told us that Noah did what he was commanded. We don't even live to be 120 years old. We, we can't. How many of us, guys, how many of us can sit for an hour without changing the channel, right? We're like, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on. I was watching something the other day. It was a show or something. I was like, oh, that's not interesting. You know, I, I'll probably go back and finish watching it later. But at the time, I was like, I'm done. I just want to move on to something else. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to turn that off. I'm going to listen to something else. I remember what I was doing. But that's, we can't even watch it, we can't even watch 30 minutes an hour. Uh, we go to the movies, they've had to, the, the, the movies are, you know, they're, they're struggling with getting people to watch their movies, and so they're like, well, uh, maybe they're too long, maybe we need to shorten them, maybe we need to get them shorter so people come watch them, but then, you know, well, if we short, we've got sitcoms, people aren't watching them like they used to, why? Because we just, we're constantly, we want to do something else. 120 years Noah had to wait for this flood to come, and he just had to have faith that God said it. Jesus said, I'm going to return one day. I'm going to come back one day. And that was how many years ago, everybody? A couple thousand years ago? And he hasn't returned yet. And we have a lot of people who say, well, he hadn't returned, he may not return ever again. I don't know when he's going to return. I just want to live my life. You know I tell people, you know you can do that. You can try to live you can try to live the way you want to until your deathbed, but you don't know when that deathbed's going to come. There was a lady back in 2002 when, when that barge hit the I40 bridge. Um, in Oklahoma, over there at Weber Falls, Oklahoma, and knocked the bridge down, and there was 14 people who were killed, and about another 14, I think, that were injured. And one of the ladies, uh, her 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 husband and her fell. She was about 68 years old, fell 60 feet and landed on concrete, and uh, it cracked some some ribs, did some stuff, broke her husband's back. And they asked her. They said, says when when that happened, she. They said. So were you, were, you getting, you know, were, you, were you getting right with the Lord, something to that effect? And she says, listen, I didn't have time to get right with the Lord. She says, if you weren't already right with God, you didn't have time to get right with God. And I said, this woman's a Christian because she said, you, you better be ready at any time because you don't know when it's going to happen. I was like, I don't think this interviewer knew what she was, she was going to say. You don't know. I don't know the day or the hour that the Lord says this is it. This is it. You look at my grandpa, and I don't know the day or the hour that the Lord will take him. Maybe the Lord will give him another 10 or 20 years. I don't know. Healthy, thriving 10 or 20 years. But he was on—he was playing pickleball. He was on a court out there playing pickleball when this happened. A man of God who loves the Lord. He doesn't know when it's going to happen. We don't know when it may happen, so we have to be ready. But it's 120 years. Then, then Noah had his sons, and it took them... Uh, Estimated around maybe seventy-five years to build this ark. You got to understand, they didn't have cranes, they didn't have all the equipment that we had today. They didn't have bulldozers. They didn't have. They had to cut everything down by hand. They had to. They had to make their own mill. You know, (laughs) I don't know how they did that, but they had to do all this on their own. So seventy-five years of building something. And by the time the flood came, Noah wasn't sixty. Noah wasn't one hundred and twenty. He wasn't 200 years old. Noah was 600 years old when the flood came. How many of you are looking at yourself saying, I don't know, I'm just a little too old for God to use me. <laughs> I'm just a little too old. I just, you know, I've had people tell me that. I've been in churches and I say, hey, well, what about, do? oh, you know, that time is coming on. Oh, I can't do that anymore. Yeah, that's, that's for young people. Young people. Noah was 600 years old. When the flood came, 120 years, that puts us back about 580 years old when the Lord says, you're going to be the person that saves the race. You're going to be the person that saves the human race. I'm not selecting anybody else. God didn't go out and select a 30-year-old. God selected somebody who was 580 to, to, to save the human race. And then when we talk about waiting on the Lord, Noah, a lot of people get this wrong. Oh, the rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came 40 days and 40 nights, right? What people don't know is that Noah wasn't on the boat 40 days. The Noah was on the boat uh, uh, one year, about 364 days. One year he was on that boat. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm, I'm a farmer. We had cows, about you know 100 head of cattle. We had chicken houses, Tyson chicken houses, thousands of chickens constantly stinking. We had Cargill hog farm, hog operation. We had 300 plus sows. I mean, I could just imagine being stuck in a boat for one year with all these animals. It didn't smell good. It didn't sound good. It wasn't comfortable. And I could just think when the humidity starts getting up in that boat, boy, I tell you what. The ammonia that you would have smelt in that boat, mm, it would have been bad. But, But he was a year in the boat. See, I want us to understand that we may be going through something in our life and it's becoming difficult to live for the Lord. See, the ark is Jesus. He is our salvation. But if at any time they would have gotten out of that ark, they would have drowned. And that is where we go. If we want to get out of the ark of our salvation, which is Jesus, guess what? The only thing that we have after that is an opportunity to die. See, I see people walk away from the Lord because they feel like they can have more freedom away from God. I see people that want to change the word of God to conform to the way they want to believe. When we change it, the scripture says that we can't do that. It's sin to change it. He says not one jot, not one tittle should be changed. And so when we begin to change what the the meaning of Scripture is to to better conform to our beliefs, guess what we're doing? We're sinning against God. And we we know that sin isn't going to enter the kingdom of heaven. What are we doing then? We're not doing like Noah. What was Noah doing? Noah said, it said Noah did all that he was commanded to do. So when we're in this boat, Noah could have said, you know what, know what? I'm going to do something different. You know what? What are some things Noah could have done? He said, you know what? Those two pigs over there getting on my nerves. I want some bacon. I'm going to kill them. You know, I'm just being funny, y'all. But think about it. Then we wouldn't have pigs. We wouldn't have bacon. The world would come to an end. No, I'm just kidding. But Noah did what God had commanded him to do. Noah had did what God commanded him to do. And here's the thing I want to encourage you this morning. No matter where you are, if you will get in the ark and you will stay in the ark, there's going to be good things to come. Because you've got to understand, this world's going to come to an end one day. Whether it's before we die or after we die, this world will come to an end. And the Bible says it will, that he, he will eventually destroy the earth. And he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. But I, I I'll tell you what, I want to be, I want to be available to serve him when that time comes. Genesis chapter 9, verse 12 through 17. Let's jump over there. Oh, excuse me, I skipped a scripture there. Go to uh Genesis 8 chapter 1. And this is what I want to say. When you get out of that, when we get to when we're going through all this and it's a struggle living our life for Christ, here's what Genesis 8 chapter 1 says. That whole year he was in that boat. But God remembered Noah, all the animals, livestock with him in the boat, and he sent a wind to blow across the earth, and the flood waters began to recede. The Bible, the Bible says that he remembered Noah. He didn't forget Noah was in that boat. And you're in that boat today. He has not forgotten. He has not forgotten you. Even though it may be difficult and it's a struggle and you've been serving God and you may say, Pastor, I've been serving God for 40 years. I've been serving God for 50 years. I've been serving God for 60 years. And I haven't seen the things that I need to see happen. I, I, I'm, I'm still struggling. Well, you know something? Stay in the boat. Don't get out. He remembers you. Now, Genesis chapter 9, verse 12 through 17 says this. Then God said, I'm giving you a sign of my covenant with you and with all living creatures for all generations to come. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is the sign of my covenant with you, with all the earth. When I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds, and I will remember my covenant with you and with all living creatures. Never again will the floodwaters destroy all of life. And when I see the rainbow in the clouds, I'll remember the eternal covenant between God and every living creature on earth. And then God said to Noah, yes, this rainbow is a sign of the covenant I am confirming with all the creatures on the earth. The Lord gave us that sign. We see that sign in the sky when it rains a lot of times. We see that rainbow in the sky. That is a sign of a covenant that he says, I will never again destroy the earth with the flood. But you want to know something that is so great? God gave us a sign of a new covenant that he would not destroy those who serve him. And this is what that sign is, the cross and the empty tomb. You want to know why the cross infuriates people? You want to know why atheists are so against crosses being everywhere? I mean, even memorial crosses to people who have died in combat. You want to know why they're against it? Because it is a sign Of a new covenant. It is a sign that Jesus loved us so much that he died on a cross for our sins. And the empty tomb is the sealing of that covenant. Signed, sealed, and delivered, right? That new covenant that we are able to walk in when we have given our life to Christ and when we have stepped into his ark his ark of salvation and so when we see a cross and we and we think of the empty tomb uh, you know especially around easter when we take communion when we think of that we need to understand that that is the Covenant and through that cross we can overcome the world because Jesus says, "I have overcome the world, and so therefore you have overcome the world. You go, see, this is what it is you're in that you're in the ark of salvation with the Lord, and you say i 'm struggling with this, that and the other, but you can overcome you can be encouraged this morning that you can overcome because Jesus overcome, and when Jesus lives in us, he has overcome the world, and the thing is, never again. Our covenant is, never again are we cursed with death. You see, everybody thinks death means just dying. No, death, death is separation from God. True death is separation from God. No longer do we have to worry about that because death no longer can separate us from God. There was a time that it did separate us from God. And Jesus came, and even those that, were, that died before us were separated from God, even though they believed in God. They, were, they went to a place called Abraham's bosom. And then Jesus came, and his blood and the new covenant in him took that separation from God and allowed everyone who believed in him to come into the Holy of Holies, come into his kingdom, and to where his righteousness reigns. And they were able to come into there and no longer. See, 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 57 says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But he says, thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So no longer does death, should death have a sting? No longer does it have victory, because when we die, if we are serving the Lord, if we have put our faith in the ark of Jesus, the ark of our salvation, when we die, we no longer have to worry. No longer do we have to think about what's going to happen. But instead, death to us is victory. Because we live in Christ, and when we die, we gain eternal life with him. And I understand. I understand that we want people to live as long as possible. We love people, right? I hope you love your spouse and you want them to live a long time, okay? So don't turn to your spouse and say, no, I want you to go. That wouldn't be good. We want to live as long as possible. We want them to live. Why do we work so hard to keep people alive? We want them to live. But the one thing that we don't understand in our human our human nature hard, makes it hard for us to understand is we have gained eternal life. We can rejoice. My mom said when we were traveling Wednesday down to see my grandpa, a co-worker, said, I'm sorry about your dad, this, that, and the other. I hope he'll, he's doing better or he'll get better. And she says, oh, he'll be better either down here or up there, but he'll be better. See, that's a thing. That's a thing we can rejoice in. Does my mom, does she want to see her dad gone? No, she's praying as we all are, Lord, restore his health, restore him bodily mind and spirit, restore him all the way. But we know whenever it's time for God to take us that we have a place to go when we have put our trust and our faith in him. And verse 58 there of that 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And that's what I say to you this morning. You go, boy, the ark, sometimes it stinks. The ark is It's a little cramped sometimes. Living this way, it just feels like I don't have the freedom. I don't have the abilities to do what a lot of other people do. Uh, There's people who won't be my friend. I feel like I'm lonely and I'm, let me tell you something. If you feel lonely, you need to be in this place because, you know, if nobody else is going to love on you, we're going to love on you. Christy and I are going to love on you. That's what this church is about. It's about having friendships that love Jesus and are there for you. And I don't care how big we get. I don't care if we run 30 or we run 3,000. That's the way this church will always be ran. That's the way it will always be pushed is that we love people when they come in here and we show them God's love and we show them friendship because we want to work together in the kingdom of God. It's It's not about who sings on the platform. You get me? It's not about who sings up here, whether me or Chris Tomlin. I don't care. Chris Talman wants to be our worship leader. That's great, as long as he's willing to hang out with everybody else. You know what I'm saying? As long as he's willing to love everybody else. That's what I'm saying. We want to have that. And so I say, beloved, beloved, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain. And when you come in here and, or when you're doing a prayer walk with Connie, when you're coming in here in prayer, no matter how many people are here, no matter how many people are part of what God's called you to do, What do I want you to do? I want you to stay steadfast and say, you know, God, mm, some good times are coming. I told Christy, it was last night, she was going to bed. I was was finishing up a couple of things for this morning. I said, man, great things are coming, honey. Great things are going to happen. And that's what I want you to say in your life when it comes to your life with the Lord. Great things are going to happen. And don't get weary in doing these good things. The thing is, is the Lord never forgot Noah. He never forgot him, and he hadn't forgotten you, even if sometimes you might feel getting that point that you feel like, man, I don't know, maybe God's forgotten. But he says, no, no, you're in that ark of salvation. You're in Jesus. I hadn't forgot about you. I know you're out there. Think about how big this world is. As big as that ark was, it was a teeny tiny dot on that ocean of water. And God says, I didn't forget about you. I'm going to set you right where I need you to be. I'm going to set you down right where I need you to be. And then after it's all said and done, I'm giving you something to look at. We step in that cross, uh, into that ark, and we get to look at the cross. We get to look at the empty tomb and say, man, oh, great. I have victory. I have victory, and I'm, I'm going to be unmovable. I'm going to be unmovable. Let's pray.